This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have an incredible uh, man of God. I'm very excited um, about what is in store for this particular episode. We're going to be talking about um, apostolic uh, ministry, uh, what that means, uh, what that looks like. And so I'm very excited about that. Uh, We have with us uh, Brother Alan uh, Shom. Am I correct in pronouncing that? Yeah. And uh, and so, Brother Shom, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself, um, your ministry, and where you are? All right. Uh, For the last 42 years, my wife and I have been missionaries. Uh, We were in the nation of Pakistan for uh, uh, over 30 years, and then in the nation of Malaysia for 10 years. And during those 10 years, we did a lot of travel throughout Asia and the Pacific particularly, but we also did uh, some other international ministry. I've, I've been to South America, Europe, and other places as well. But uh, I was born into a missionary family, uh, actually born in India. My parents went there as missionaries in 1949. And uh, so I spent most of my first 18 years there. Uh, I am Canadian. I came back to Canada to attend Bible college. And after I graduated, uh, my wife and I pastored in the Toronto area for about seven and a half years. And while I was there, um, a lot of the principles that I used in mission work later on and that helped us to see a great breakthrough uh, were, were developed. Um, I did a lot of fasting and prayer. Uh, my first year that I was pastoring, I would say, uh, I probably fasted a total of about five months, if you added all the different times together. Uh, prayed quite a bit, two to eight hours a day. And the Lord gave me revelation on certain areas uh, of ministry, which I implemented there. Uh, I wasn't as experienced, obviously, as uh, I am now. But uh, the principles that God gave me actually worked overseas as well. And I have been teaching them and uh, doing a number of seminars on things like spiritual warfare, gifts of the spirit, um, areas like that. And so um, in this particular point of uh, my life, I think it's more uh, sharing with people uh, what we have learned, the principles God gave me early on and then, uh, now I have experience, and we've got a lot of uh, stories, I guess, that go along with it, uh, of how the Lord has has uh, actually miraculously moved. Uh, when we were in Pakistan, at one stage, uh, well, I, I was the superintendent there for, for the last 18 years that I was in the country. And during that time, we saw the church grow from about 20,000 believers to 160,000 believers. Wow. Uh, we started close to 2,700 new congregations and preaching points. And so the Lord moved mightily. This was a, during a time of, of uh, 
unrest in the country, a lot of terrorism. Uh, we were very closely connected to what was happening in Afghanistan and uh, 9-11, that whole scene. So uh, it's been in a, quite a ride, actually, uh, traveling through uh, uh, that part of the, of the world and seeing what God can do in spite of all of the difficulties and the, the issues that are there. Amen. Praise God. I love hearing, uh, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited uh, to hear a bit more of, you know, the principles that you talked about and, um, you know, even some more experiences. So whatever you feel to share and you're comfortable sharing, um, you know, we absolutely. Um, but for, for the sake of time, why don't we just go ahead and get into it? Um, you know, we're talking about biblical apostolic ministry so uh what what does that look like and how does that deviate from what we're seeing in the world today i would say that uh if you go back to the book of acts particularly it is the acts of the holy spirit through the apostles yeah and uh so we see them fulfilling what Jesus commanded them to do in the Gospels. And uh, if you follow through right from the very beginning through the whole book of Acts, you you see a pattern start to develop, and uh, you see them begin to move with power and authority. Uh, there were different situations that arose, how they dealt with it. So I think we can use that as a pattern for how we live today. Uh, to me, it seems like even in the Pentecostal movement, we have become very traditional. And uh, by traditional, I mean we follow a certain pattern. Every service, you have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. The uh, There may be a few uh, deviations from the main course, but... Basically, we start out with some singing, and then we have a, a time of, of maybe a prayer, and then a ministry, and then an altar service, and, and it seems to follow the same course all the time. I think with the apostles, there was the expectation that God could move in and do anything at any time. Uh, a lot of times, we also confine our ourselves to to church, what happens in the building, uh, the apostles took it to the streets. A lot of their miracles, in fact, I would say the majority of their miracles, as well as those of Jesus, actually happened uh, in the public forum, in an in, in area like the uh, lame man at the gate, uh, beautiful. Um, that's uh, just uh, one example of, of many that we could mention, where... Um, Miracles happen outside and uh, in the public square. I think uh, we limit ourselves. And my observation is that a lot of times, even as Pentecostal people, we have a tendency to live our lives, lives like the rest of the world does for most of the week. And then we just pop into church, put on our spiritual face for uh, a couple of hours and then go back to living and worrying about the same things everybody else in the, in the world does, minus some of the uh, sin 
reasons as as such, but I mean, our our goals are the same to to do well financially, to take care of uh, things, and and make sure our life goes well. But I think that the apostles were completely sold out to the gospel and preaching the gospel. And they had an expectation that God was going to move by his spirit. Jesus had told them just before he ascended into heaven in Mark chapter 16 that uh, uh, he he said that uh, they were going to go and preach. He said, go and and, uh, and preach the gospel to to every creature. He said, you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Uh, If you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. And he named off several things like that. And uh, then in the 20th verse of Mark 16, uh, chapter 16, it says that after he ascended into heaven, they went everywhere preaching the word, and the Lord went with them confirming the word. So even though he wasn't with them physically anymore, he was now with them spiritually and uh, working through them. And this is how we get the acts of the apostles. Uh, we, we see them actually activating, not just talking or preaching, but actually going out and doing it. And there's a scripture that I uh, refer to a lot of times when we uh, look at this, and it's in First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. And uh, <clears throat> the apostle Paul told the church at Thessalonica, he said, uh, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. So he said, uh, yes, the gospel came to you in word, but not in word only. Uh, There was an expectation that there was going to be power uh, that would be shown and manifested as as well. And that's what Jesus uh, had done when he called his disciples and uh, he led them throughout uh, Palestine for three years. uh, He would talk to them, I think, as they traveled. I know that this is coming from the East, and the culture in India and Pakistan is very similar to what it was in Bible times. We don't have to explain a lot of the culture over there because they live it on a day-to-day basis, so they understand that. And one of the things that is very common in those countries is that there is a guru or a, a spiritual leader who has disciples that follow him, and as they travel... He teaches them. Uh, He may speak to different groups of people. They're there. And so he instills in them what uh, what he believes is truth. And so this is what Jesus did. He walked with his disciples as they would walk. He would be instructing them the principles of his kingdom. And then he would stop and teach large groups. And they would see miracles happen. Uh, They would hear his teaching. And in Luke chapter 9, he told them, I want you now to go and practice this. Now, he he hadn't uh, let them go completely, but he said, you've had some instruction. You've seen some things. Now I want you to go in and put it into practice. So as they uh, went about, they saw miracles happen. They saw people being healed and changed and transformed. But the real change came... uh, when he left them on the Mount of Olives and ascended into heaven. And he instructed them, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And when they went 
to Jerusalem and waited for that power, uh, it dramatically changed them. Just a few days before, they had been terrified when Jesus was crucified. They thought their world had come to an end. But uh, now they were bold. There was a new spirit about them that that caused them to go forth with a lot of authority, a lot of power. And it's interesting, even after uh, Peter and, and John got arrested by the uh, authorities at the temple and were told to go and preach no more in, in this name, the Bible said that they went back and prayed with the church and they didn't ask for protection. They asked for boldness. Wow. And I think that's the thing uh, that a lot of us today are so worried about our skins, saving ourselves. Um, when the apostles didn't do that, they just they just launched out. Living in Pakistan during the time of the uh, during the time of, of the terrorist uh, waves that we had, there were literally hundreds of terrorist uh, suicide bombings. And uh, we heard many of them ourselves. But in the middle of that, we held huge crusades, uh, as high as 25, 30,000 people. And uh, most of these were not belonging to our group. They were just uh, people from every, every uh, religious group you could imagine that were coming. And God did some outstanding miracles during that time. But we learn that you depend upon the spirit to guide you as to when you should hold a meeting like that and then when you shouldn't you have to become very sensitive and i think this is true whether it's crusades or anything we have to be very very finely tuned to the spirit and that's what the apostles were they uh, paul, paul was going to one place and the, an angel came to him and said no you need to go somewhere else and I think that we need to learn how to how to be sensitive to the spirit, follow it very freely, and uh, not to become bound by our our habits and our routines, but uh, understand that the Lord is going to to move miraculously uh, at any time. Um, if I can just mention it in John chapter fifteen and verse seven, and this is another verse that has really uh, uh, struck a chord with me in the last three or four years, perhaps. But in John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, that means if you live in me, and my words abide or live in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I think, and this is what I referred to earlier, a lot of times people just put on their church face, and then the rest of the week they go about their own business and don't really give too much thought about the, the Lord. But I think that the apostles actually lived in him. Um, I do a lot of traveling, stay in a lot of hotels, a lot of people's homes, and uh, probably before the pandemic, I was probably... Uh, out of my own home more than I was in it in any given year. And so I've stayed in a lot of different places. And uh, when I'm at home, I just, uh, I know where everything is. But if I'm at a hotel or someone else's home and I'm staying there, 
I will survey this scene because at nighttime I may have may have to make some uh, some visits to the restroom, and I don't want to bump my shins on on a table or bang into a, a dresser somewhere or have some other kind of action. And so I will study it and and figure out where the light switch is, where things are, so that I won't have any accidents because I'm not familiar. But when I am at home, I don't need the lights on. I know where everything is. And I become familiar with it. And so in the same way, when you live in him, you become so familiar with him and his thoughts and ways of things that you will say things even without thinking that are actually what the Lord would be saying. And you may give a prophetic word without even thinking about it. You may speak a word of authority that will change something without planning it because you're living in him. Um, Sometimes you'll hear a child say something that uh, you obviously, well, it's it's someone three or four years old, they say something that sounds really, really amazing. It's not because they necessarily understand what they're saying, but they probably heard mommy and daddy say that. And so in the same way, when we start to uh, live in him, we start to pick up what he says. And we'll, we'll see things happen. Just just one example. Uh, it's something I feel very strongly about. But uh, when I was um, living in Pakistan, sometimes on a weekend I would go to the American embassy and they'd have softball games. And so uh, I would play. My wife uh, was working at the American International School to help pay for our children's education. And so... Um, one day we were at the embassy and I, there was another game going before mine. So I was just throwing a ball, warming up a little bit. And one of the teachers at the school who was there watching, uh, uh, had, uh, an epileptic seizure and he swallowed his tongue. And, uh, so he was thrashing around on the ground and people rushed to try and help him. And among the others, there was a a gentleman there who was the physical education director at the school. He was a a Muslim man, but uh, he was trying to help him. Others were gathered around trying to do what they could. And uh, I was praying quietly, but uh, this man knew that we were missionaries. And I, I saw him look at me suddenly and his eyes fastened on me and they wouldn't leave. It was as though he was pleading, do something, will you please pray? And so I reached over top of the physical education teacher, touched the man, and I said, in the name of Jesus. And instantly his tongue came out. And uh, he was okay. And the next uh, week at school, he he came by my wife's office and said, "Um, I I know what happened there, and I want to thank you. He, he, He didn't want to say it outright, but he appreciated the fact that we had been able to pray and and get an answer. And so, I mean, when you're going to play softball, you're not thinking of a a revival crusade or some kind of a big meeting. You're just going to relax for a a few moments. But if you live in the Lord, in a moment's notice, you can be ready. And I think that that is something that the apostles did. They lived in that environment. And even now, at any moment, I feel like if I have to pray for somebody, if I have to connect to the Spirit, I'm ready because 
I pray every day. Um, so that keeps me connected. And I'm constantly, subconsciously, uh, thinking about the Lord and, and whatever I'm doing. I mean, it's not something that's at the front of my my mind or focus, but it's something that's there. And so I think that we can live like the apostles did, be conscious continuously of the presence and power of God so that at a moment's notice, we can actually do something about it. Wow. That's tremendous. Uh, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like even in our movement, we're seeing more of this sort of uh, comfort culture, this um, comfort zone where, you know, when, when it comes to the supernatural things, it's almost as if we are just not operating to our full capacity right. in, in that in that spiritual dimension. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to be hungry for this. Um, I hate to say it, but I see us doing a lot of things that we used to laugh about other church groups doing. We are moving in that direction a lot. Now, I see that on in some cases, but in other cases, I do see a hunger arising in the hearts of uh, a number of people, uh, not just younger ones. And I'm thankful for that because they're going to be the ones uh, taking us, uh, taking the church to the next uh, level. But also older people, um, there is a, an intense hunger to see God do something. And so what I'm trying to do is encourage those that are hungry, because you're not going to see these signs and wonders and miracles if you're not hungry. Um, If I give an altar call in North America, uh, you'll occasionally get a few people dribble down to the front unless you make a strong appeal and really go through all kinds of contortions. I've been in a lot of countries in Asia. I was in I was in China where I was surrounded. The people actually ran to the front, and I I was lifting my hands to lay lay them on their head to pray for them, and I couldn't lower my arms for forty five minutes because the people had pressed around me so much. Um, in our crusades in Pakistan, we never gave altar calls. For one thing, the crowds were too large, but beyond that. Uh, you couldn't. Uh, I mean, they, they, you would have been crushed because they would they would have just uh, swarmed around you. So we had to keep public order to to actually uh, accomplish what we needed to accomplish. And uh, yet, in North America, so often you have to try to persuade people and 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 use all kinds of psychological ploys to to get them. Uh, when people are hungry. You don't have to do that. And so uh, I think probably we're going to see some some troublesome times in our countries. And uh, that may make people a little more hungry. When things aren't going as well, people do have a tendency to turn towards God. But uh, I'm believing that God is going to give us a revival. 
he promised he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And uh, I had that expectation. I believe we're going to see uh, entire movements come to the Lord and to the truth. And uh, it may not seem realistic at this stage, but uh, when I was talking about revival, I believe God was going to give us revival in Pakistan. A lot of people didn't think that I was being very realistic, but we did see some wonderful things happen. Um, I've seen 3,000 people receive or more receive the Holy Ghost on three different occasions there. So um, I believe that if we will press after and, and seek after God, if we will become hungry for this, and even as a teenager, uh, my mother told me about how her family came into the church and the, the miracles that they saw. And this created a hunger in my heart. And so uh, I began praying for it, even as a teenager, asking the Lord to let me see the day of Pentecost. I said, I don't want to just read about it in the book of Acts. I want to see it for today. And uh, so he's been gracious and allowed me to, to see that happen. But uh, I have been in numerous meetings where more than a thousand people receive the Holy Ghost. And so it is possible. And if people have hunger for this, uh, to me, this is the driving force in my life. Yeah. Uh, above everything else, this is, this is what motivates me, drives me. Uh, I'm 70 now, but Caleb said, I'm, I'm 85 and I want this mountain. I don't want a little stream I can sit by and fish. I want to I want to take the mountain and the giants that are on top of the mountain inside walls. Uh, give me a challenge. And so that's the way I feel. It still drives me today. As much as I have been uh, fortunate to see, uh, I still have an intense desire to see even more. And uh, I believe that God's going to do it. And so I'm, this is what I'm traveling, trying to encourage people to uh, to reach out and, and see God move by his spirit. So some of those principles, um, and, and you touched on a few, and I don't know if you touched on everything um, that you generally share um, in the classes you mentioned that you 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 hold. But um, those principles, you, you know, I, I believe one would obviously be expectation. Um, one would be desire and hunger. Um, would there be more... Um, principles uh that would help us see that um apostolic revival that um the fruition of true biblical apostolic ministry yeah i think you have to be flexible that's a very important thing and as i said earlier sensitive to the spirit where you don't say well just when i go to church we have a or we're having a revival meeting uh, are people going to get the Holy Ghost? Even when I pastored in Canada before going overseas, um, we would see people get the Holy Ghost during the song service. Uh, we would see them get it uh, different times in, in, in the service. We didn't restrict God's moving to certain... Now, you have to have order. I, I believe in decency and order. But on the other hand, a lot of times it's control. And the Holy Ghost will not impose himself on us if we don't allow him. And when I travel, um, there are some places that I go 
and I, I preached in 37 countries, so I'm broadly speaking here now. Uh, but there are there are some places that I go where people are intensely hungry, and I can operate in the gifting that God has given to me. There are other places where you can tell they're kind of pulling back, and so I preach a nice little message and go on my way. Uh, so we have to be open to this and then sensitive and allow the, the Spirit of God to to uh, to lead us. My wife and I applied to go as missionaries to India. That's where I was born and raised, so that was the expectation, but we couldn't get a, a visa there. So what are you going to do? Did God miss uh, something? No, what I think he does sometimes is give us a certain instruction. And then when we get to that place, then we can see around the corner of the building to where he really wants us to go. Um, I mean, Philip was in Samaria and, uh, you know, seeing a great revival there. But God wanted to do something else. And so he sent him out into the desert, which seems kind of counterproductive. And uh, there he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. Right. And it's very interesting to me that Ethiopia in northern Africa is basically, except for southern Sudan, Sudan but uh, all the northern area of the country is, is Muslim, except for Ethiopia. And... Um, Ethiopia has seen up to 100,000 people receive the Holy Ghost in a single service. Uh, when Brother Billy Cole used to have crusades there. I think all of that came back from Philip being sensitive to the Spirit and going to uh, the desert, which seemed like a dry place, a barren place. What's the point of doing this? I'm leaving a, a, a revival. But when you're sensitive to the Holy Ghost... You will go and do what the Spirit is saying, not what you're saying, and what looks good to the, the human understanding. So uh, this was something. This is something that I think is very, very important, and we need to be very flexible and sensitive to the moving of the Spirit when we when we uh, uh, serve the Lord. And, and like I said, His Word would be in us, and we will say things sometimes. I've sat around talking to people, and as we sat there talking, and my wife with me also, the Holy Ghost would start to move just in a normal conversation. And uh, see, a lot of times we talk about cars, we talk about shopping, we talk about sports, we talk about this and that, whatever else. We don't talk about the Lord that much, a lot of us. And I've been around a lot of ministers in my day. Uh, so... I think this is a, a, a sensitivity issue, and when we when we live in Him, uh, we're going to be able to hear those kind of things from Him and and uh, say uh, speak forth things that are actually going to impact people and change situations. So, and I don't want to seem redundant, but. Uh, how can one be sure that they are truly functioning in biblical apostolic ministry? And what would you say um, the, the, the signs of that are or the fruit of that are? 
Okay, uh, glad you asked that. I did read in First Thessalonians chapter one and verse five. Um, I didn't touch on it more than that, so this would be a good chance to do that. He said, "For our gospel came not unto you in word only." And so, in other words, I didn't just preach and teach, but also in power. So the gospel is proved. The word that is preached is proved by the power that is shown. And that power is shown by, first of all, changing people's lives, but then also through healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the apostle said, and it sort of ties in with what he said in Thessalonians, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, I didn't come uh, with a great... Uh, oration. I didn't come with a great message to tell you uh, in the sense of uh, being very, very uh, well put together. But he said, uh, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then in verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He said, personally, my own personal thing, I, I felt afraid. I felt weak. I felt uh, like I was trembling. And then he said, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So he said, I didn't just preach or teach, but I showed that the gospel that I was preaching worked that there was power. It changed people's lives. Um, He said, and why would that be? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sometimes I think we, even now, uh, tend to look at men's wisdom and and so on, rather than than the the power and wisdom of God. And so uh, that's an area that we need to... to, uh, understand is that it's not how wise we are but it's what god can do as we begin to speak forth the gospel with power and authority and i have seen tens of thousands of miracles in my life not with me doing all the preaching but uh, we've had different evangelists come Uh, i have seen many in my own ministry but uh, the expectation is there god's going to do something why am I preaching if I'm not expecting anything to happen? There's, there, it becomes pointless. And uh, <clears throat> so I think that this is an important thing. Another thing is, and, and uh, in fact, I just spoke at a conference recently that was promoted, uh, guided by Brother Stan Gleason, our assistant superintendent in the western part of the country, and then also strongly supported by Brother David Bernard. But... Uh, it was on the fivefold ministry. And uh, I think that this is another thing God has given. The Bible says he's given to the church a fivefold ministry. And they are to uh, build up the body so that the body then can do ministry. A lot of times we just preach to the body. But the expectation in the Bible is that the apostles prepare people so that they can go out and do ministry. And uh, so I think this is another factor that's very important and some people are a little hesitant because of 
the latter rain movement that happened in the 1950s to to talk much about apostles and and so on and i don't think people should go around declaring i'm an apostle or i'm a prophet or i'm a whatever but i think that their lives will give evidence of that and that we will see that kind of thing uh, uh, manifesting i mean you you will you will see people that are are uh, guided by the Holy Ghost in these different ministries. And the question that I ask is, how can you be apostolic without apostles? Uh, It doesn't make sense. So I think that there are apostles today, not apostles of the Lamb, the ones that help set the foundation of the church. But there are apostles in, in the sense of people that go forth taking the message breaking open new territories geographically and spiritually. And uh, there are prophets who uh, give exhortation from the Lord, give direction, uh, different uh, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. All of these have their different roles that uh, are very, very essential to the operation of the church today. And in a lot of cases, we have maybe the the pastor and evangelist sometimes and a teacher, but we're we're trying to operate. It's like a car, an eight cylinder car. If you've only got six cylinders working, it doesn't run the way it does if with eight. And so, the church has been trying to operate without all all its power that that has been given to it. So that's a that's an area that's very important as well. Wow, this has been this has been tremendous. Um, so before we close out, um, usually what I what I like to do is I like to just ask the guest. Um, the the listeners have, have listened up to this point. You know we're about close to forty minutes into the conversation. They've listened this far. What is one thing you you want them to walk away from this episode with? Uh, I would like for people to understand that God wants to move in our day, just like he did in the days of the apostles. And through the prophet Joel and and backed up by what Peter preached on Pentecost, that uh, God has promised to pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And I would like to see the church today become uh, passionately involved in seeing this come to pass. When the church awakens to what God can really do through us, don't just be satisfied with the normal, ordinary. Actually, it's it's uh, not it's less than being ordinary because in, in 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 apostolic days, miracles were ordinary. They happened regularly, and I know it was spread over a period of years. But John said that uh, even with Jesus' ministry, he supposed that if all the stories were written, uh, the world couldn't contain the books. So, uh, uh, I mean, like I said, I've seen probably tens of thousands of miracles in my lifetime. Uh, I tell a few here and there. Um, but basically what you're doing is telling a story to inspire other people to believe, okay, I can see this thing happen too. That's the reason why you, you do it. And I would like to see people become more focused on that the Lord is coming soon. He's promised a great revival, and uh, we can be a part of that. And uh, 
and I won't be satisfied with anything less. That's what I hope they will take away from this. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.